Welcome to Everything Yesterday This Morning, a 15 to 20 minute daily recap of headlines you may have missed. Come for the news, stay for the snarky commentary. Good morning and welcome to Monday's edition of Everything Yesterday This Morning. I'm your host, literally Heather. Um, I'm so sorry that I took a week off. Um, I'm very busy in my real life job. And so that has impacted my ability to come to you guys on a daily basis. However, I do foresee in the near future that loosening up a little bit. So I'll be back on a more regular basis. But um, I'm going to go ahead and get into today's events. Elon Musk has already started cleaning house over at Twitter by letting go of CEO Parag Agrawal, CFO Ned Siegel, and Chief Legal Counsel Vijaya Gade. Now he has ordered company-wide layoffs at Twitter and reportedly told managers to begin drawing up lists of employees to cut. The forthcoming layoffs are likely to occur before November 1st. The timing may give Musk the opportunity to avoid paying out stock grants to outgoing workers. These payouts typically represent a significant portion of an employee's pay. While Musk has shared some details about what moderation on the platform could look like under his watch, he's been less forthcoming about his plans for the company's workforce. On Saturday, he spent most of the day tweeting about food, which apparently angers people, along with everything else that he does. GM has pulled their advertisements, and the left has lost their ever-loving minds. Many of the blue check mafia have lamented that should the Musk deal go through, they would leave the platform in protest and never look back. Unfortunately, they're not following through with such promises. Um, Frankly, I'm glad that they aren't. Echo chambers are not healthy for the country. Um, Discourse and debate are what make this country great because we have the ability to do it, or we did. And now it looks like we're going to again. Um, So many worried that Musk would unleash their worst fear, allowing former President Trump back onto the platform. If that's their worst fear, they are so privileged. It's just wild to me. But anyway. On the day that Musk received the keys to Twitter, many of the site's prominent liberals put on brave faces and insisted that they would keep their accounts. Some claimed they'd stick around to hold Musk accountable. Others, so they could stay connected with their followers, and some, just to stick it in the eye of the Governor Ron DeSantis supporting evil overlord. (laughs) What? Oh, these people are such fucking babies, man. Lincoln Project co-founder Rick Wilson claimed, I'm not leaving. Fuck him and the whore he wrote in on. I'd rather have him under the panoptic eye of millions than slinking around on some right-wing media ghetto. Actor George Hahn tweeted defiantly, bring on Elon Schittler or any other man baby. I ain't going nowhere. Prominent Democrat lawyer Mark Elias assured his followers, I am here until he kicks me off. Hashtag resist. Men. These are all men saying this crap on the internet. Holy cow. Uh, uh, (laughs) 
Executive editor of far-left activist site Occupy Democrats, Grant Stern, tweeted, Never back down. Never surrender. I'm not leaving. (laughs) Democratic Missouri representative candidate Jessica Piper wrote, I'm not leaving Twitter because of evil overlords. I've lived under a GOP supermajority for 20 years. I'm built for this. These people feel like they are doing the Lord's work. (laughs) Okay, I'm sorry. Um, The Kroger supermarket chain will pay $180,000 to settle a religious discrimination lawsuit after two former employees alleged they were fired from an Arkansas grocery store in 2019 for refusing to wear logos that they thought resembled a rainbow pride flag. The settlement was reached earlier this week and announced Thursday by the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, the federal agency that investigates allegations of job discrimination on the basis of legally protected classes such as race, sex, or religion. Kroger denied in court filings that it fired the women as a result of discrimination about their religious beliefs and said the apron uniforms, which had a rainbow-colored heart, were not intended to express support for the LGBTQ community. Judge Lee Rudolfsky, which is a district court judge for the Eastern District of Arkansas and a Donald Trump appointee, signed off on the settlement, which was reached after years of litigation. As part of the settlement, Kroger will pay the two employees more than $70,000 each in back pay, which is part of the overall $180,000 settlement. The EEOC filed the civil suit against the store in September of 2020. The suit alleged that the store unlawfully fired two of its employees and violated civil rights laws by discriminating against them because of their religion. The employees, Trudy Rickard, who was 57 at the time she was fired, and Brenda Lawson, who was at that time 72, have a sincerely held religious belief that homosexuality is a sin. Court documents state that in late April of 2019, the Conway store started requiring some of its employees to wear a new uniform, adorned with a rainbow-colored heart. The apron prompted at least 10 employees at the store, including Rickard and Lawson, to immediately express disapproval about the logo, which they thought looked similar to an LGBTQ pride flag. Kroger said in court filings, displaying support for the community was not the intention of the uniforms. Dating back to 2012, Kroger had been conducting market market research to figure out how to better connect on an emotional level with its customers, according to court documents. By June of 2018, Kroger had developed what the company called Our Promise, a customer service campaign based on four commitments, including to improve every day, create a friendly and caring environment, according to a filing that includes facts generally agreed upon by the two parties. To represent the four commitments, the company developed a heart-shaped logo with four different colors. I think the real story here is that a grocery store chain spent six years on market research to put out a heart-shaped logo on an apron and thought that that was money well spent. Y'all, they are trying everything they can to make this Pelosi attack about political violence. But if they don't answer some of the bizarre questions coming out of the case and answer them really fast, 
they're going to have a really hard time convincing anyone of that being true. The suspect arrested in the violent home invasion of House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's San Francisco residence and the hammer attack on her 82-year-old husband was carrying a bag that contained duct tape and zip ties. The two law enforcement officials briefed on the probe told this to ABC News on Sunday. Investigators discovered the contents of the bag that suspect David DePape, I think is how you say his name, had with him at the time of the attack after securing the necessary search warrants to open it. This article says the zip ties in particular echoed what multiple suspects in the January 6th insurrection at the U.S. Capitol building were carrying. So do you see they're trying to make a connection to duct tape and zip ties to the January 6th attack today? Anyway. Um, do, 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 do. Federal charges are not necessarily imminent, but remain a real possibility given the early evidence suggesting the suspect appeared to be motivated to allegedly break into the home, at least in part, to reach the speaker, according to sources. Sources. What sources? Who the fuck is saying that? Social media posts, which authorities are increasingly confident are from the suspect, are described as strongly anti-government and are one of the investigation's focal points as of now to see if an exact motive can be ascertained. Well, maybe just ask the guy. The attack was intentional, not random, San Francisco Police Chief William Scott said on Friday. In the early morning hours on Friday, the suspect is allegedly seen approaching the home and breaking in through a sliding glass door. Once inside, the suspect allegedly moves about and then at some point starts asking where the speaker is. There is then a confrontation with Paul Pelosi. Sources are unsure how long this went on before police arrived. So I just need you guys to listen to that for just a second. So he is seen approaching the home and breaking in through a sliding glass door. He gets inside and the suspect moves about and then at some point starts asking where the speaker is. So what is this time frame? Like how long was he moving about and then asking for for Nancy Pelosi? Responding officers arrived on the scene to find Paul Pelosi and DePape both with one hand on a hammer when they responded to the home, police said on Friday. When they commanded both men to drop the weapon, Mr. DePape took the hammer away from Mr. Pelosi and violently attacked him with the hammer, Scott told reporters during a press briefing Friday evening. Paul Pelosi was struck at least twice, sources told ABC News. It is unclear if both blows happened in the presence of police or if one occurred before they arrived. How is that unclear? Like you show up, if the dude is bleeding, he's probably been hit with the hammer once. How can you confirm two blows if you weren't there to witness it? This, it's crazy. I'm gonna keep going. Okay. Um... Paul Pelosi underwent successful surgery on Friday to repair a skull fracture and serious injuries to his right arm and hands after he was violently assaulted by the suspect. So now we have a skull fracture, injuries to right arm and hands 
violently assaulted, but we only had at least two blows. I d- okay. It looks like he's going to fully recover, Biden told reporters. He also noted it appears the speaker was the intended target. I don't know for certain, but it looks like this was intended for Nancy. Kept asking, where's Nancy? Where's Nancy? Biden said. Some things that are unexplained and showcase why this media is completely inept at doing their job. The 911 call that came in is Mr. Pelosi saying there is a male in the home and that his name is David and he is a friend. It doesn't explain why the police said in their statement that a third individual answered the door when they arrived and have now walked back that statement. The narrative is that Pelosi tricked the invader so that he could call 911 from the bathroom while speaking to the dispatcher in code to avoid suspicion. So, um, the story is now the third person doesn't exist and the home intruder told Pelosi his name and allowed him to take a bathroom break so that he could call the police. Nancy's PR team is yelling, spin, 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 motherfucker, spin! Don't get me wrong, I couldn't care less what Paul Pelosi does in the privacy of his own home. I mean, honestly, could you imagine if you were married to Nancy Pelosi, what what you would be doing? But I have a massive issue with refusing to own up to the situation in an honest manner and using it for political gain. If you aren't David, Paul, whomever mysteriously answered the door but now has been memory hold, or one of the responding officers, you have no idea what happened in that home, other than the the 911 recording that says the dude's name and that he's a friend. Apparently, that is secret code for I have no clue who this person is that broke into my house and he's trying to kill me. How dumb do you think everyone is? As Democrats are preparing for their comeuppance next week, pressure is mounting on Joe Biden for his intentions on whether or not he intends to run for president again in 2024. That is increasingly a concern for Democrats, who have long seen holding the House majority as a long shot, but held out hopes that they could keep their Senate majority. That is still a possibility, but with races tightening in a number of states, including Pennsylvania, Angst is rising in Democratic circles about the results. For much of the summer, Democrats were feeling optimistic about the Senate, so a loss of both chambers would be a very bitter pill to swallow. That outcome will almost certainly lead to stronger calls for Democrats to dump Biden ahead of 2024. No matter what happens, there's going to be pressure on him to make a decision sooner rather than later, said Democratic strategist Jim Manley who served as a senior aide to the late Senate Majority Leader Harry Reid. But Manley agreed a poor showing for Democrats in the midterms could be more problematic for the president. The bigger the loss, the more a factor it will play in his own decision-making process. If it's a route, obviously there are going to be changes in a lot of different areas. In the House, if Democrats lose dozens and dozens of seats, it will add the pressure on Biden. It's quite unclear that Biden wants to make an announcement one way or the other quickly after the election. Biden is known to be deliberative, if not outright slow, in making electoral decisions. In 2020, 
He was criticized for entering the race months after other Democratic rivals. Now Trump is almost certainly on Biden's mind again as he weighs his future. The former president is teasing a White House bid for 2024 and may make his own decision not long after the midterms. Other Democrats thinking about running for the White House will want to know what Biden's plans are quickly so that they can lay the groundwork for their own campaigns. Already, there has been some grumbling among Democrats who view Biden's age, he'll be 80 next month, as a major factor. They also worry privately that he's been unable to control the narrative on arguably the most pressing issue facing the White House and Democratic candidates in the midterms. Abortion. Just kidding. They said inflation. So we're ready to admit admit that the majority of the nation couldn't give two shits about January 6th or abortion, and our main concern is feeding our families? Great. Glad to know you're catching up. Biden hasn't given a timeline for when he might announce his intentions, but he has told aides and allies, including former President Barack Obama and the Reverend Al Sharpton, in private conversations that he is planning on running again. And Democratic strategists say Biden has, as history has shown, will not be pressured by any kind of political timeline or public scrutiny. Yeah, we're aware that he's not pressured by public scrutiny, you know, the public that he serves, that he doesn't listen to. We're all painfully aware of his inability to feel any pressure from the public. A seriously low U.S. and global diesel supply is likely to drive up fuel costs and worsen inflation, raising concerns as the cold weather months approach. But don't worry, John Kirby 100% is committed to making sure Europe is taken care of. The country has about 25 days worth of diesel left, a level that's considered very low. Normally, the country's supply is closer to the low to mid-30s, in terms of the number of days remaining. Analysts say that this crunch is expected to worsen persistently high in, uh, is expected to worsen persistently high inflation not seen in the last four decades. High diesel prices may drive up shipping and heating costs. The rising cost of diesel fuel therefore impacts everybody, as diesel prices affect direct manufacturing, transportation, and heating costs. As diesel prices rise, so do the cost of goods, which in general are passed on to the consumers. Higher diesel prices have the potential to create even stronger inflationary pressures, especially if the current price spike is sustained, adding significant downside risk to demand and increasing the chances of a global recession. They keep saying increasing the chances of, brother, we are there. But according to John Kirby, who is the coordinator for strategic communications at the National Security Council in the White House, not only are we ready for fluctuations to come, but we are also doing what we can to help our European friends and partners that are going to be facing a long and cold winter. We have doubled our commitment to Europe in terms of getting natural gas over there, and we are working with foreign suppliers of natural gas and oil to see if we can't help our European partners diversify their own storage and supplies. So, you know, they'll be warm. Direct quote from Mr. Kirby. That 
is Monday's edition of Everything Yesterday This Morning. I hope you guys have a great night. Have a happy Halloween. I love you guys. I'll see you tomorrow. If you like today's show, be sure to subscribe and turn on notifications so you never miss an episode. Also, please don't forget to check out shouseinthehouse.com and never forget that free men do not need permission from any government. Have a great day.